You're listening to the PowerPlace Audio Podcast. For more resources or to watch a service online, visit us at www.thepowerplace.org. Good morning, everybody. How are we? Welcome to the PowerPlace this morning. Are you excited to be here? Come on, God's moving in a big way, and he continues to move. There is a white Jetta out in the parking lot with temp tags on it with your lights on. Now listen, we can jump your car, but we only like to jump your spirit here, so go, take our, go, go do your car, okay? So if you've got temp tags on a white Jetta, you're going to want to go make sure to turn your lights off. See you later, Jacob. <laughs> You'll thank us later. Oh, man. Isn't God good? Come on. God is doing so many things. Get your journals ready for 2022 because already the miracles are starting to pour out in an uncontrollable way. I love it when there's so many miracles, we don't have time to share them all. So here's the thing. Get ready. We're in, we're in February. We're in Love Month. Today is Super Bowl Sunday. Now, it used to be like Super Bowl Sunday, whoa, and now it's like Super Bowl Sunday, it's like, eh, you know, Rams, whatever. Eh. Anyway, so we, got our, we have our, 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 our love panel this morning, and so we're going we're gonna to have some fun today. Uh, we got our relationship panel, and so how many of you, we, you love to hear some wisdom from, from the head, and then today we thought it'd be cool to bring up our students' pastors, uh, Pastor Luke and Ashton Standage. Come on, give it up for them. So, I mean, today we're, we're excited to hear from them just kind of what God has, has laid on their heart for today. Amen? So, real quick, we're going to start easy questions, and, uh, and then we'll go from there. Sure. So, Johnny asks his friend Tony. <laughs> whether he had bought his wife a gift for Valentine's Day. Yeah, I bought her a belt and a bag, replied Tony. I said, man, that was very kind of you. I hope she appreciated the thought. Tony smiled and he said, so do I. Hopefully the vacuum cleaner will work better now. That's the issue. Stop laughing and then we don't have to deal with it. You'd be like, man, Christy, the jokes really just haven't been working. And then maybe it'll be the end. All right, so we're going we're gonna to rip some questions. They're going to rip some answers. Pretty cool? Pretty easy? All right, so question number one, really easy question for the panel. How long have you been together, and what was your first impression of each other? There you go, Ashton. <laughs> well, when I met Luke, he was probably this tall. Um, he was actually the new kid in my fourth grade class, so that's when we met. I mean, yeah, so a while ago. We, and you know, the talk around the school was this new tall athletic boy was the new kid. So naturally, all the girls were, you know, calling dibs, but I felt like I needed to go against the crowd and just say no to that. Um, but obviously, God had other plans, so um, here we are, married, um, but we, yeah, went to the same small school in Nebraska together. Um, we've been together nine years, I think, but married for four, so we did four years long distance in college, and yeah, here we are, 
So first impression was, yeah, I mean, you were a little guy, but he's looking pretty good today, I think. My first impression was, and I don't remember you in fourth grade, sorry. Uh, fifth, fifth grade is where it started for me. <laughs> uh, fifth grade, I remember we were at recess, and you had your long basketball shorts on, and you had your, like, a high pony, and, like, the, one of the massive, like, Nike headbands. And I was like, wow, she's athletic. She could probably beat me in basketball. We were playing knockouts together, and I just remember thinking, you're super athletic, so... Well, ours was 43 years ago. Uh, Yep. On Valentine's Day, we had our first date 43 years ago. And um, he was singing and speaking at a Valentine's banquet, and he asked me to go with him. And uh, that was our first date. Before that, he dated one of my really good friends. And so that was my first impression of him was with her. And I would say, you know what? Not bad, not bad, not bad, not bad. Keep it going, keep it going. He's, he's worth, you know, he's worth going for. And, uh, and then things turned around. And 43 years ago, I said, yes, I'll go. And I guess I'm still saying, yes, I'll go. It's a good yes. <laughs> the first time I met you, you came on campus and... Uh, You had lost your contacts, so you had your glasses on. They were bottle caps, because I can't see. Yeah. And um, a friend of mine introduced me to her, and it was like, nice, nice girl. And then we became friends, and Christy was my best friend through college. And um, I, I recommend marrying your best friend. So here we are, 43 years later, still best friends. You know what? That just brought back what quick memories. And I'm really trying not to. But when I was a teenager, I went and lived in uh, Lisbon, Portugal um, for a time. I was a missionary's nanny. And I was living in, in Portugal. And uh, people came over to visit in, for those missionaries. And they talked about these, these kids were all going to the school that I was getting ready to go to, and they talked about this guy, Greg Hollis. And I'm like, you know, they said, wait until you meet him. You're going to love him. You're just going to love him. You're going to love him. You're going to love him. So I left Portugal, came home, and went to school, and my, lost my glasses. You know how you just feel so ugly, and you just want to get behind everything? You know, I had these bottle cap glasses and everything, and I met the Greg Hollis. And I went, no! You know, I don't want to meet him. Well, he had a ring on his toe. He had on flip-flops. He had, on, he had long hair. I'm like, my mom would kill me if I brought that home. And yet, we became best friends, and now we're married. <laughs> oh, my. It's, it's crazy to me to hear... Uh, about successful relationships because most of them go back to we started to become friends and then we started to date. Friends, like this whole like date to get to know mentality is so worldly. It's, it's, not, it's not even like, I can't even wrap my mind around it. Why would I want to date you if I don't even know you yet? Let me get to know you before I decide to be with you. And so I understand that, like, like get that mentality of 
of I'm here for the long run, God, so whatever you have for me, you're gonna bring it into my pathway. And if it's meant to be, there will be a relationship that starts there. And uh, start a friendship. A friendship is always wise before we start a relationship. Amen. Uh, so we're gonna, start, we're gonna start here deep. Um, second question is, what was one of your first struggles in your relationship and how did you navigate that? Um, so I, I, as a youth pastor, we're first married and my understanding was I needed to know everything that was going on in the world. So I got a newspaper every day. Now, some of you don't even know what a newspaper is. But it was delivered to our house, and I would come home from work, and I would sit down in my chair and read the newspaper because I needed to know what's going on in the world. I need to know what's happening. And I remember the day Christy came in, and I'm reading the newspaper, and she went like this and pulled the newspaper down and sat on my lap. I said, yeah. She said, hello, I'm here. And uh, I began to realize the newspaper was coming between us. And so I canceled my subscription. Um, so we did four years of long distance, like I mentioned, and that was, that was probably where we really started to get into the nitty gritty of the substance of our relationship because we could only talk, so, which was actually such a blessing looking back on that season of our life, but um, one thing we would do is, and FaceTime actually wasn't a thing, so we would Skype, and how it would go is, you know, we'd talk for like hours, but it would start out like we would kind of, you know, a little, a little chit chat. And then I knew like within the first 15 or 20 minutes, Luke was going to ask me, so like, how are you doing spiritually? He was a question guy. He needed to have like points, like an agenda of, you know, what we were going to talk about. And that question would always come up and I actually hated it. Like I always dreaded that question. And it really revealed a, a lot about my spiritual journey in that season of my life, which was probably not the healthiest. Um, but, oh my goodness, girls, get you a guy who is asking you that question every day. Um, and men, if you're not, I'd encourage you, open up that conversation daily. Do your spiritual walk together and have someone alongside you that cares about making that a priority and that it is a priority to talk about, to actually hear out loud. Because for me, it was super convicting to hear that I know it's important to him because he brings it up every stinking time. It's important to me. So maybe I shouldn't feel so insecure about what I'm bringing to the table. It's simply a journey that we're both on together. I don't need to have my act together. I don't need to do certain things. But the fact that he was willing to walk through it with me is huge. And it, oh my goodness, like I came out of that season of four years in, in college working on myself spiritually in such a healthier place. So, yeah. Yeah, I mean, tag team off that, um, I was gonna say, for, for me, the kind of the first struggle was that long distance time period where we're experiencing different things at different times. We were with a, a different group of people um, 
experiencing such a, a huge growing stage of your life. And um, for us, I mean, how we combated that was we talked all the time. Like we would talk for hours upon hours. And in my defense, that's why I came up with like a list of questions because I knew I was going to be talking for a while. Um, but I think like I, a big, I mean, looking back on it, that was one of our like strongest growing seasons in our, in our relationship because all we could do is have conversation. All we could do is talk. And it was those intentional conversations that kind of helped us get to a, a really healthy spot in our relationship. So, wow, that's really good. When we were first engaged, uh, I left then, and he was in camp. He went back to school, and I was with my family, and so we didn't see each other for a year. We got engaged in July. We were married the next June. We saw each other four times that year, for three or four days at a time. So we did our entire engagement. Uh, separated. When we got married, he took me to Kansas. And when I look back on those days, now this is 40 some years ago. And so, you know, looking back on those days, um, I, one of our first struggles in our marriage was my in-laws. And, you know, you always marry the family. That's what they say. And believe me, you do, you do to a point uh, so remember that if you're engaged and remember the dating, you know, always look at the family because there is something to that. And some of our first struggles was, I mean, I can remember the first couple meals, you know, Greg would look at me and goes, man, this doesn't look like my mom, it tastes like my mom's. And it would be like, then go back with your mom. Like, there's the door, you know, go back, be with your mama, you know, and um, those were... Those were days, and, you know, back in those days, it was, we ate dinner with them, you know, a lot. Like, it was important for us. It was just part of what we did was we were with them a lot. Um, we lived in a church parsonage back in that day. You probably don't even know what that is. It's when the church owns the house, and you're not allowed to touch it unless the board tells you you're allowed to paint the walls. And so, you know, me coming in, you know, I'm like, this is so fun. I want to do all these things. And, and my mother-in-law said, oh, no, 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 you're not allowed to do that. You know, that we have to give permission. Anyways, a lot of things back, back in those days was to do with my in-laws. And um, it really grew us because all of a sudden, you know, um, and I adore him, but I knew he wasn't perfect. And I was dealing with a mother-in-law who only had perfection in her mind. And so the day that I sat my, mom, my mother-in-law down, I will never forget it as long as I live. And I said, okay, this has to come to an end. This isn't working. This is not working. Uh, your son isn't perfect, and, but I love him to death. But you have to give me room to love him. And uh, it has to be on, you know, it has to be in my house under my roof and this is where we're at. And her response to me, I will never forget. She looked at me and she goes, wow. Well, welcome to the family. <laughs> you finally got it. And I'm like, okay, yeah, I got it. So guess what, mama? You're done. <laughs> but I think that was one of the first hurdles that we dealt with. And yet it drew us so much closer because Greg was very gracious and he was trying really hard to understand between his mom and his new wife, who I wasn't weak then and I'm not weak now. And so it's like, it was very, and his mother is very strong. So it was two strong women in his life 
and he was very gracious. And I feel like there's so many things today that we are better at because we dealt with that. Do you want to say anything? No, I don't. <laughs> I feel like you need like a little defense in that, like say something. Anyways, let me tell you about Greg. It's funny because that's the thing that like irritated my mom about his mom, but my mom is that same person. <laughs> like, it's so fun. Right. So it, I mean, they butt heads because they're literally the same person. I can do no wrong in my mother's eyes. It's so, it's so funny. I'm like, hey, mom, I ran over a cat, and then I got out and punched it in the face. She's like, that's so sweet. <laughs> She's like, oh, my word, you're such a great leader. Dude, that, that is like as accurate as I can get, and my wife can attest to it. She's like, your mother sees nothing wrong with you. I'm like, I know. It's great. All right, question, question number three. How do you keep God first in your relationship? What do you do if you're spiritually single? So two-part question. How do you keep God first in your relationship? And if you're in a relationship with someone else and you feel spiritually single, how do you deal with that? Yeah. Um, how do you keep God first in your relationship? It, it all comes down to prioritizing it. So w when we were getting to know each other, that was something we talked about all the time is, hey, like, let, let's prioritize that part of our relationship. I remember on our first date, the very first thing that we did intentionally was, hey, let's just pray a prayer of blessing over this, whatever we're getting into if we're, we're, as we're continuing to get to know each other because we knew each other really well. But let's do this intentionally. And so it's, it's prioritizing, hey, God, like you're first to me first. Like for, for God to be first in your relationship, he has to be first to you first. And then when he's first to you, you have to prioritize that for your relationship. And so, I mean, we constantly have conversations of, okay, what, what is God doing in, in your life? Like we, we sit down and, okay, we're intentional with how's God in this? And so it's, it's just prioritizing it is, is my big thing. I'd agree. All of those things. I think just maybe evaluating what you're already doing. Who's getting the utmost of your attention? Who's getting the best of the best from you? And if it's not God, like maybe it is your spouse, like love them well, but love God more. Love God with more than you're loving the people that you care about the most. And I think you're already doing what you need to do. Just dedicate all that you are. You're 100%, your best, your first time to him and things will line up. I think Greg talks about like get, get your first priority as God first and everything just falls in line from there. It's pretty easy, honestly. I, I'm going to go a little different direction with that. Um, number one, if you are in that situation in your marriage, I would anoint every doorpost in your house. I would anoint everything that that person has touches, I, would, I am so big into that. Some of you that have already talked to me about that. I am so anoint, as my kids would say, anoint the crap out of your house. I mean, everything about your house, about uh, the car that they drive, about everything, anoint it with God's, that they can't get away from the anointing of the Holy Spirit. Um, number two, let me talk to you that aren't married yet and you're not in that situation, but maybe you're dating and you're in a relationship that you are already spiritually by yourself. Let me just warn you that just because you get married won't change that. 
Um, be very cautious how you're, how you're walking on that pathway. Um, when you're unequally yoked in a relationship, I, I even remember when my kids were younger, um, even in their friend relationship, the friends that weren't doing them right. It's like, you know what, you have to get rid of those friends um, because they're, you're unequally yoked with them and they're taking you down a pathway that isn't right for you. I remember when Allie was in high school, oh my goodness, she would bring home everybody. And I would be like, now you can bring them home and be okay with them, but they can't be your friends. And she's like, I know, mom, I know, I know. And then she'd bring them to church, you know, and they'd find Jesus and praise God, hallelujah. But I'm telling you, relationships in your life matter. Every single one of them. To this day, I mean, I'm 62 years old, and I still have, when somebody comes into my life that I'm unequally yoked with, and, and not just even in a lot of ways, I'm like, yep, you know what, I have to remove you and put you over here. And I'm telling you, relationships matter because those are the people that are in your space. And if you've got a boyfriend or you're in relationship with somebody that you are unequally yoked with spiritually and they are in your space, you are kissing them, it won't work. If you want a relationship with Jesus, now you can pray and pray and I pray you do. You pray and you pray and you pray and you pray. And hopefully that day will come where they walk into church and receive Jesus. But let me just tell you, dating them won't help that situation. And so, please, if you are in a relation, and I really felt strongly this morning to talk about this, um, that if you're in a relationship where you are already questioning it, then get out of the relationship. Let them grow. Let them be, and you know what? Don't let them find Jesus just to impress you. I'm telling you, it's a very dangerous ground. Allow them to have time to understand who Jesus is. Walk the path and then bring them back into your space. And I don't know who that's for this morning, but I am very adamant about uh, in a relationship, and not just marriage, but in life with those that are not speaking life into you. Bring them out of your inner space and put them on out here out here, especially in the world that we live in today. Because if you don't stand strong in the little things, it will be tough for you to stand strong in the big things. It's called missionary dating. And it doesn't work. You need to ask yourself, is this person a wing or a weight? Do they pull you down towards earthly things, or do they give you wings to fly in the Lord's presence? How do you put God first? You give him the first of everything. First part of your day. First part of your paycheck. You give him the first. He is first. He's prioritized to the top. If that's, if that's out of line, then everything else is messed up. But yeah, the, the whole... Um, so what if, what if let's, let's say you've, you've gotten married, you've gotten saved, and your spouse is like, no, nah, I don't want anything to do with that. So what do you do when you're spiritually single? Well, first of all, if, if you're spiritually single and you're not married, as Christy said, get out. 
that's not healthy. And you will regret, you will come to a place where you're like, man, I wish. You don't want to live like that. But if you're in a situation, you're in a relationship, you're married, and your, your spouse is not uh, equally yoked with you spiritually, uh, first of all, you lay your life down. You lead by loving, okay? Uh, Peter talks about the spouse that is saved because of, of the way the wife is living. It's not the outward stuff, it's the inward stuff. And, and as you lay your life down, you find that there is a, a drawing to that spirit inside of you. E- even to the point where when Christy and I first got married, um, I was a youth pastor, so she became a youth pastor's wife. And she was not filled with the Holy Spirit. That was a big deal in my family. I said, are you really going to marry a woman who's not filled with the Holy Spirit? She doesn't speak in other tongues. I'm like... I am, and she will be, because she had the desire. And uh, so, I don't know how long it was, but at a youth camp, uh, God filled her with the Holy Spirit, and she stepped into a whole nother level. Uh, she was already spiritual. It wasn't that she wasn't spiritual. It's what that she she was missing that key component that that uh, just brought a special anointing on her life. And so, you know, I would speak into that, but I wouldn't hound. Okay? Nobody likes a dripping faucet. Nobody likes that constant, man, you don't ever. You just want to get away from that person, right? You're sitting next to them right now, and you, 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 you want to get away from them. Don't be that person, but lead by loving. Lead by creating a thirst, okay? You, you gotta, that's why we're called the salt of the earth. We're to create thirst moments where people, they, they get thirsty by being around you and they have to satisfy that thirst by the spirit of the living God. Next question. What are some boundaries you have set up in your dating relationship and or your marriage? Let's talk about boundaries. Sure. Um, I'm just going to go ahead and speak to all those that are, that are dating in the room. Maybe you're single in the room. Um, boundaries are a huge deal. And they're a big deal at the beginning of the relationship. Um, uh, we we kind of talked... Uh, Boundaries are big for us, um, and I always encourage like our students in the room. Hey, set up boundaries because it's a lot harder to work backwards. It's one, it's one of those things where if you don't talk about it initially, hey man, when you, it gets down farther down the road, it, it's a lot harder to have that conversation. So make it an intentional thing that you're doing at the beginning. I mean, boundaries were a big deal for us because hey, we knew that we're dating on purpose. Like we, we saw that marriage was the end goal, and to get there, we knew that we had to do the relationship the right way. Um, so boundaries, are, they're, they're a huge thing uh, in the dating relationship, but also in marriage. You know, in, in marriage, boundaries is one of those things where we're going to make sure that we're doing everything that we can to keep us healthy. So it's, it's setting boundaries that are in place to say, hey, 
we're not going to go and be in the car with another uh, person of opposite sex alone because we want to make sure that we are guarding the, the intimacy that we have with one another. It's like it's setting those boundaries to say, hey, this is the most important relationship, earthly relationship, and we're going to do everything that we can to make sure that's healthy. Yeah. And I think for us, like for me at least, I thought of boundaries as such a restrictive thing, like, oh, all the things we can't do, but how much more it expands your capacity to glorify God in the gift of a relationship. So, and, and I, <laughs> my mentality a little bit in dating was that I was just so kind of bummed whenever we talked about putting more boundaries in place. And we would get to a point where we would add more just because we wanted to be careful and we wanted to honor God with our relationship. But no, I feel like no relationship is is exempt from needing boundaries. You need that. It's a healthy thing. And so if you feel like you don't, you probably do. And that was my mindset, so. There's one more thing that I just looked down on my notes. I'm like, oh, I just want to add that real quick. If, the, if, if you're, for all my dating and maybe the people that are single, uh, if the person that you're interested in doesn't want to add boundaries or they don't want to talk about boundaries, man, run. Get out, get, get out because they're not who you want to be with. I'm um, just throwing that in. Um, one of the biggest things that we have as because of pastoring and everything is that we are never we never do counseling or anything like that with the opposite person opposite sex by ourselves it's just it, we've seen too many of our pastor friends get in trouble and um, we just don't do that and so if you're a woman and you want counseling from Greg you're never going to get it you might as well just come to me first and just drop it off. It's just like, it's just what it is. But you know what? In, I'm going to take this even a step further. Boundaries are God's word. God's word is filled with boundaries. And yeah, the world today, we don't like boundaries. The world does not like boundaries. They don't like it. There are, there to boundaries are rules. But boundaries are the fence of protection. And, you know, raising our children, we had a lot of boundaries. We just had a lot of boundaries. And did they like them all? No. But we weren't meant to be their best friends. You know, parents that are trying to be your kids' best friends, it don't work. You know, there were some days where, you know, I would look at them and I'd say, I mean, today, Allie is my best friend. It took us 30 years. Okay. All right. You know, and so sometimes, you know, during the times where it would be like, I'm not your best friend. I'm your mom, and today mom rules, and the best friend will come later, but it ain't now. And in those times, the boundaries have to count because I love Greg so much that I want us to have boundaries in our marriage. There are some things where we won't do, we won't go, just because of we want to follow God's word and, and the utmost, and there are some things in this world and especially in the way the world is going, that it doesn't even interest us. It's like, why be a part of that? I never want, and Greg and I have talked about this in our marriage, we, the, if, this door, if the door is here into heaven, I don't want it, like this is the gate into heaven, all right? I don't want to live like this. I want, if the gate is here, to get into heaven right here. I want to live over here. I want to be as far away now, some people, they say, oh, I can still do this and still get into heaven. It's not that bad. But I don't want to live there. 
Because that's crazy. That's one foot in, one foot out. That's lukewarm. You're always trying to say, how much can I do and still get into heaven? Nah, nah, that's dumb. That's not wisdom. Live over here where you know what? You are far as away from the gate as you can get. And this is where God absolutely pours out because he knows that you are faithful. And so the little things, this over here, God's like, hmm, you know, this is where I, 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 boy, boy, the world is offering that. Man, 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 nah. We live over here where, you know what? I don't have anything to do with that because I want to be used. I want to be what God has intended for me to be. And I want to be, I want to be the spiritual person that God has created me to be. And in order to do that, I have to have boundaries. I can't watch what I used to watch. I can remember when Greg and I were first married, I watched soap operas. I know, I know I was a sinner. I watched, I mean, I walked through General Hospital all with Luke when he was trying to get married and oh my goodness, back in the day. And oh my word, I had to watch my General Hospital. And I'm like, oh my goodness, this is, and I got so convicted. Oh my word, I was bringing that into my house. I remember when The Bachelor first came out. I was like, oh my goodness, I got to see where that bachelor's going. I mean, I mean, that was just what, and it was like, why? Why are you putting that into your eye gate, bringing that into your home? Why? That's the way the world thinks. I mean, those are, I mean, you're, some of you are looking at me going, oh my goodness, she's wacko. But those are boundaries that count. That's the way the world lives. We don't live like that. You can't watch that and say, wow, yeah, you know, they're going to have a private night. The cameras go off. And then get up in the morning and read God's word. It doesn't even go together. Like, it doesn't even match. And yet you come in here, we come in here at weekends when you say, oh, God, oh, God, oh, God, oh, God, oh, God. I said, yeah, but what about Monday night? Is that when the bachelor's on? What about Monday night? And, and all these different things. And I'm not, I'm not saying that that's, you know, but I'm just saying, talk about boundaries. Because that's fake. That's problems. That's not the way that we live. That's not the glorious, when the, when the Lord, when the trumpet sounds and we are raised to the heavens, that's the glorious. That's what we're living for. We're not, we're not living in the garbage down here that is being offered. The, the way the world is going with all that, oh my goodness, what is okay anymore? Really? Talk about boundaries. You gotta have boundaries just going to the grocery store. But those matter because when you fill them up and fill yourself up and fill yourself up with all of that, and then you try to read God's word and you're just like, what? You did an eye tick. Yes, boundaries matter. I couldn't tell. <laughs> that was good. And I think, you know, we could tell you what boundaries to put up. But you have a whole different lifestyle. And you need to be convicted by the Holy Spirit. Not somebody telling you, you shouldn't do this, you shouldn't do that. 
The Holy Spirit will convict you if you'll allow him to. If you'll listen to the nudge of the Spirit of God. Because the fence is there for your protection. The boundaries are there. The guardrails are on the highway to protect you. If you happen to veer off, they're going to keep you from worse. Okay? It's, it's not because the highway safety people hate you that they put up guardrails. It, it, the stop sign is there. The yield sign is there so that you don't kill yourself. And, and God has all of that for you as well. And so you need to ask yourself, what's God trying to keep me from? Where, where is this going to lead if I keep going down this path? Because this is a path that it leads somewhere. I remember Andy Stanley many years ago, he, he talked about drinking, drinking alcohol. And he said, this is a path and it leads somewhere. And if you just go down that path mentally and go to the end of that path, you'll know where it's headed. Many of you live there and you think, ah, I'm okay, I got it, I got it under control. You're, you're fooling yourself. And, and God says, put up some boundaries so that you can be safe. I love you so much that I want to keep you in this safe environment. And it blesses your home. It bless, you have an eye gate, you have an ear gate, you have a mouth gate. And it all matters. It's all a big deal. Guard it. Guard it well. The word says, guard your heart for out for from your heart flows everything in life. Amen. They're they're the reasons why we we had such extended standards in our relationship. I mean, as you see, my mom was standing up, she couldn't even sit down. She was so passionate about it. Um, but it it is the most important thing. And I think the best way to pull, like Pastor Greg saying, you know, we don't want to tell you what boundaries to have. The best way to pull your boundaries for your relationship and for your marriage is to number one, read your word. It's pretty simple. It explains a lot in there on how to set up boundaries and what to keep yourself from. And then number two, we talked about it this morning in Dream Team, anything that you feel a, a nudge or uncomfortable with uh, immediately, that's something to question. So anything that makes you question and be like, mm, I don't know, that's probably a no. Anything that you have to say, oh, I don't know if this feels right, it's probably a, it doesn't feel right, so let's move on. And that's, that's, that's the great way to judge your, your boundaries if you're new to this and you're, you're coming into this. Number one, read your word because everything is super explained in the Bible. Everything's set up on how to protect yourself, how to walk through this, this journey with, with God. And then second, Listen to that nudge. That nudge is not there. I said it this morning. I'll say it again. You're not that smart. I'm not that smart. If the nudge is there, it's probably from him. We give ourselves too much credit. If, if the nudge is there, it's probably him. Ah, I feel a little uneasy about this. I remember when, you know, we traveled full time on the road. Even just being around, like, like mom was saying, uh, with, with friends, pastor's kids, all this stuff. I remember when pastor's kids would say things that were questionable. And in my mind, my immediate like, okay was, well, you're a pastor's kid, so it must be okay. But in my spirit, I would feel like sick. 
Like, you'll be like, I feel a little sick. So something's, something's off. You're a pastor's kid, but that didn't sound right. And I remember like, you know, having conversation, what do you do with that? And it's like, listen to the nudge over the voice. Listen to the nudge. Don't, don't, don't trust who they are. Trust this, because this comes from him. They're just another person on this world trying to do what the, what's best. And they might be struggling right now. Trust the nudge. So, uh, Number six, how do I know when I've found the right person? And is there only one right person? Love may not make the world go round, but it sure makes a lot of people dizzy. <laughs> she laughed at one of my jokes. How about that? Where you go, babe? Um, how do I know if it's the right person? Man, that was one of my biggest questions because I met a lot of people that could have been the right person in my mind. Well, you almost married her. I had godly parents who cared about me and they had an intervention. And my brother... They pulled me aside and said, you can't see it, but you need to run. And then he met me, and they said, no, wait a minute, where's that other girl? Wait, where, where is she? My parents, I would ask my parents, how do you know if it's the right person? And they'd always look at me and go, you'll know. I'm like, ah, oh, that's a stupid answer. <laughs> but they, they just continue to say that, and you'll know, and the Spirit of God within you will know. And it's true. And again, I've been my best friend, and we, we have thoroughly enjoyed life together. And I remember most days. Most days yeah, we've, we've had a few rough ones. We're still standing. And I remember meeting Dave Reaver, a man who had half of his head blown off with a, a white phosphorus hand grenade. It melted the, the entire side of his face and body. And, and he would tell the story of his wife coming to the hospital burn unit when every other woman had walked in, put their wedding ring on the chest of the man who was burned and said, I couldn't stand to live with you. I, you're an embarrassment. I won't. And his wife walked in and she leaned down and she said, hey, Davey, welcome home. And he said, I'm sorry, I'm not, I'm not as handsome as I used to be. She said, I never did think you were that handsome. And she said, I will love you because I've always loved you. Because I love you, I don't love the body you're in. Let me just say this to some of you men. You're looking for a body. And the body will fail. It's not about, it's not about physical appearance. It's about what's inside. 
And those moments stuck with me, and I would evaluate those, those times and say, could I live with this person if they lost everything? Looks wise. I think that's when you know it's the right person. And now you live with a woman with half a tongue and scars. No, let me just tell you. You see how God works? And that has never been a big deal to him. He wakes up every single day to that. And yet, it means nothing to him. Because when you go into a relationship where that really doesn't matter, proof is in the pudding. How do you know if it's the right one? Um, what Pastor Greg was talking about earlier is for us, it was one of those things where I was so excited for Ashton to come and meet my grandparents, meet people that meant so much to me, meet some of my extended family. And they, they love me enough where they're going to tell me the truth. They're, they're going to tell me, hey, you, what you see in her, we see in her as well. And so it's, it's listening to those that truly care about you and have your best interest in mind. And the Lord will let you know. I'll never forget the time when um, I had a knee surgery. So I flew home from Texas uh, and I flew home and um, I was just waking up kind of from the surgery and things. And it was that moment that I knew because Ashton wasn't planning on being there. It was, she surprised me and she all of a sudden just walked into the, uh, the, the hospital room there. And right when she walked in, the, the Lord told me, this is, this is who you're supposed to marry. And it was just like the, that the Lord confirmed me that it's already something that I, fe- I felt in my heart, but the Lord just, he confirmed it as well. And so the Lord will, he'll show you, he'll, he'll lead you, he'll guide you and he'll, he'll let you know for sure. I feel like God sort of confirmed it to me even before we were dating. I remember bringing a list of attributes and things that I wanted in my future husband to my girlfriends. And I wasn't, Luke wasn't really even on my mind at that point. But my girlfriends, after hearing the list, they were like, oh my gosh, you need to date Luke. Like that's Luke on paper. And so ever, ever since, I feel like it was just Luke added things to that list that blew my mind. What I wanted, it was, it was already confirmed. Like I already had everything that I needed and God was just like, I know already what you want. Like I placed those desires in you. I knew what you would want in a man. And it was just confirmation after just knowing, I think doing life together and, and, and knowing what kind of person I wanted, not just that I wanted someone, but I knew what type of person I needed in my future, and when that person was in physical form, I would know. Is there only one person? Um, I would say no. I would say it's one of those things where the Lord will lead and guide, and he'll put people in your path, and he'll show you, hey, this is the one that I have for you. This is, this is, this is someone that you can do life with. Um, is a short, short answer. I always say... Maybe there's not one, but there always is the best. And you don't want to marry second best. So ask God where the best is. That's what you want. Because when you marry second best, it's second best. I think if you know the, the, the sound of his voice, that's a question you never ask. Because you just trust him enough to bring the right one. It's not, you're not like, oh, is Jimmy it? Is Joey the right one? It's not that because you know his voice so much 
I mean, he led you to the right grocery aisle to get cereal. You know God's voice. And so, like, if you trust God enough to give you a prompting to pray for someone, then why don't you trust him enough to pick your future spouse? And if you, if you know his voice when they're in the room, you'll know that they're right. I knew Brittany was the one. In, in my, down deep in my knower, I knew who she was. I knew it was her. And so when that's it, when that's that confirmation from the Spirit, if you're in tune with his voice and you have his voice as a regular, audible thing in your ears and it's, it's, it's normalized for you, when the right one walks in and he says, all right, there she is, go get her, or there he is, go get him, it's, yeah, I absolutely know, and I don't question a thing. Just like I don't, que- we're, we're not questioning everything right now. It's no, there's no, if you're a devout Christian that has a tuned in ear to the Father, you don't fear or question much. If it's in the Word of God, we believe it, and that's just it. And that, that's the end, that's the end all get all, is Lord, give me so much confidence in your Word and in your voice that everywhere you lead me, even to a spouse, I'll know. Uh, question, question number seven. Does the need for pursuing each other ever go away? That's an easy no. You have to pursue. How do you pursue? Ooh. What's the statement that we were just looking at last night? We were listening to, um, uh, what's the name of the white hair? Who, who is it? David Jeremiah uh, we were listening to one of his uh, things last night and he was talking about being um, and help me because I'm not going to get it right it's why yeah it's about being uh, stagnant in your relationship with with the Lord that's what he was talking about but I looked at Greg and I said you know when you're when you are stagnant in your relationship Whatever, let's talk about marriage. If, when you're stagnant in that, it's a devil's playground. And um, boy, that just really hit me because you can get, if you're not pursuing each other, then you're just here. And when you're just here, the devil can play, he can play, he can play. So if you are not pursuing, I mean, I wake up every day and put on the most gorgeous face and get dressed every day. Yeah, right. Hello, but if I'm not pursuing, if like if there's not some time during the week that I'm just like Greg is, I got to do this for Greg, then really in the end of the week, I'm the loser. I lose because I haven't pursued him on a, even even just once a week to say what can I do for Greg, and uh, it's just I don't want to become stagnant because the devil ain't playing in my playground. So if you're stagnant in your relationship, then you're not growing. And living things that are alive, they always grow. And you want growth in your relationship, no matter if you've been married one year, 40 years, 50 years, 60 years. You want growth at some level in your relationship. And to grow, you have to invest. Christy, she... She does these whole plant things in the backyard when the summertime comes. And what does she use? She uses miracle Grow, And it does. And you walk back there and you're like, whoa, what have you been doing to make these plants come alive? Well, you're adding something. You're doing something. You're investing something. You're taking the time to prune. 
You're, you're working hard at it. So work hard at your relationship. What does that mean for you? It's different for every relationship. But what does that mean for you and your relationship? Find that out and do it. Amen. I always say that to me, when you get married, it's more important to be pursuing one another. Because initially you have that excitement of, of the relationship and that excitement will then you know, continue to fade because it's not new, it's not fresh. And it's that idea that, that, that pursuing never stops. It's, it's work, it's, it's something that it must take place for the relationship to be healthy, right? Because you have to invest in, just like Pastor Gray is talking about, um, that relationship. And uh, I, I thought this was a really good quote. And um, John, Wild, or John Eldridge says this at Wild the Heart. He says, a woman doesn't want to be the adventure. She wants to be caught up into something greater than herself. And I feel like, honestly, our culture has the idea that, you know, when, when, you've, uh, when you're married, all, you've made the catch, right? You, you've, 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 got, you've got it real, then you've made the catch. And it's like the, the adventure is over. And, and you begin to relax, and you begin to chill, and you begin to, you know, set back. But to me, when you get married, that's the, the, the time where you have to be so much more, you know, pursuing each other. So... I'm just going to tell on you guys. We've watched them in their beginning of their marriage, and um, they have been talk about giving into one another. They do it selfishly, um, selfishly. Selfishly. Self. I can't say I have a lisp, um, but they do it with each other. I've watched Luke at the very beginning drink more coffee at coffee shops because that is Ashton's love. I watched him when he probably, he didn't tell us he didn't want to do it, but you know, everything in him is like, we're going to another coffee shop. And, but that was Ashton's love language, part of it. And he did it. And he did it with joy. And then I've watched Ashton bring the adventure, even though she's adventure, she's brought that adventure because she knows that that's important to Luke. I mean, they lived in a, in a, uh, van out in the middle of nowhere in the middle of Arizona. I mean, that was adventure to Luke. And I watched Ashton become a part of that in all of their um, giving into one another. In a way, not giving, but you know what I mean? Just saying, what's important to you? Let's do that today. I have eaten more, um, what's the chicken place? Popeyes. I have eaten more Popeyes than you can ever even imagine. Exactly. Enough said. And I go shopping. <laughs> oh, my. Yeah. Uh, question number eight. Yeah, we're good. Question number eight. The new, the new thing of the power place is we go till noon, so it's all good. It's only going to get longer. Um, number eight, what is one thing you... You know what? Let's go here for a second. We're, we, we need a bigger space because our kids at the end of service, I mean, they, we, we need a bigger sanctuary. Y'all better be praying for that third space over there because we need, we need more room. We need a bigger sanctuary so the kids can have this as their sanctuary. Amen? Yeah. Amen. All right, question number eight. What is one thing you wish you could tell your teenage self regarding relationships? Okay, and then one more question after that. It'll be a fast question, but what is one thing, if you could go back, tell your teenage self? 
You want to start? Okay. Uh, the one thing that I would tell my teenage self is be patient. Be patient. Because the exciting, the new thing is, hey, be in a relationship. If you're not in a relationship, what? Like you're single, huh? And it, just be patient. Because there's a lot of girls that they wanted to talk. They wanted to have, you know, a conversation. And texting, I was so excited because when I got my phone, because they wanted to text me. And I look back and I'm like, man, how much time did I waste texting that girl, getting to know that girl when it's like, they, they, I didn't have a future with them. So I would just tell my teenage self, be patient. I think I, I wish I would have not looked to the world to, for a template for dating. And just to, maybe if I knew how the Lord gave me a desire to pursue someone else I could apply that same passion towards pursuing him because at moments I was so excited about that person and just how the fathers designed us to seek love. And I wish that I would have been more obsessed with seeking the father and knowing and trusting that that was going to come in time. I was a kid many times where I was so fixated on the person that I thought I was going to marry maybe, but, um, just being so obsessed with pursuing a relationship with the father where like now in my 20s, I've experienced like the most, the purest intimacy with the father, even before I ever experienced that with Luke, like even in marriage, like it, I first experienced that with the father. He's the author of it. He created it. And so going to him and, and, and maybe just you know, leaving all of that as second and, and experiencing it with the Father first and pursuing the Father first and allowing him to show you what true love is, to show you what real intimacy is, and then actually getting to experience that with, with another person that you care about. I think just going after that. I would tell my younger self, don't waste time in a relationship that you know you're not going to get married to. Because we waste a lot of time, and it takes us down paths that lead to dangerous situations. All right, last question. What are some vows you have created in your relationship that have gotten you here? I would say prioritize your relationship. Get your relationships in priority. And I wrote, wrote a few things down. And today's Super Bowl Sunday, right? Anybody remember that it's the Super Bowl today? So you've got two equally gifted teams that have incredible talent on both sides. So here, here we are. She's one team, I'm another. And we're in a Super Bowl every single day. And the goal is not for me to beat her. The goal is for me to out-bless her. And so she becomes a priority. But, but priorities are, are crazy because if you, if you get the list of priorities out of line, it messes everything up. So prioritize that God is first, okay? 
And if that's not the case, then it doesn't matter what we say up here. It's not going to help you. Because if God's not number one in everything, remember what I said last week, Matthew 22, teacher, which is the greatest commandment in the law? Jesus replied, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. And the second is like it. Love your neighbors yourself. All the law and the prophets hang on these two commands. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, your soul, and your mind. Another translation says, and your strength. And then secondly, love your neighbors yourself. Well, who's your closest neighbor? Your spouse, if you're married. So that relationship can't be first. My relationship with Christy is not first. God's first. It's God first, your marriage second. Thirdly, your children. Oh, how many of us get that out of order? Kids come before the spouse. Well, they come before God most of the time. But once we get those things out of order, someday the kids are going to be gone. And we're living in that right now. No children. We're just having grandchildren. Wish we'd have had them first. They were the best. They're the best. Grandkids are the best. Grandkids are the blessing you get for not killing your own kids. Okay? It's just... <laughs> But the reality is, if God's not first, everything else won't fall in place. So it's, it's God first, your spouse second, your children third, and work fourth. And many of us have work, well, even before God. We get things all out of priority, and it messes everything up. If you'll get those things in priority, get them in the right place, you'll find God's blessing flows down through that. Amen. I'll just tag along with that real quick. I married a workaholic. Uh, he was taught from young that the only thing that you should do in life is work. And he would be gone. He had to be at the office by 8 in the morning. Sometimes he wouldn't come home until 10 at night because of church functions. And after a while, it got to the place where it was out of whack. And it, it didn't make sense in our marriage. And all of a sudden, it was like, where, who are you? Like, I haven't seen you for a week You've been, and you're doing God's things, you know, you're doing God's work in our life, you know, it was his job. It was, he was gone and got to the point where one day I sat him down and I said, Greg, if you don't have me, you don't have that. Like this, you, this is, this is out of whack. And uh, we had to make some changes. We had to get in some things in alignment, right? Because the, uh, the work was overcoming life. And um, at the end of the day, there's more to life than a job. And I know you got to have one. I'm not saying that. I'm just saying there's, in, at the end of the day, there's more to life than a job. Um, I, I, my, my big thing for the vow of, of the day, when I really thought about that, I thought one of the biggest things um, in our life has been the word timing. There's a big thing about timing, um, Timing is important. There are some of you in this room that you still haven't given your life to Christ because you think the timing is not the right timing. You realize that you could be one day too late. 
one day short of the timing. Timing is everything in life. There is a time for, you know, even God's word said there is a time for this and there is a time for that. In our marriage, um, timing, some of our biggest arguments, I just plain out call them fights. Some of our biggest fights, you know, you can call them discussions all you want, but in our life, they were pretty well fights. Some of our biggest fights was because I got the timing wrong. And there are so many times in life where I just had to, I just had to tell him, you know. It didn't matter what kind of a day he had. When he came home, when he comes home in that door, and I'm, I'm there waiting with my hands on my hips, and I want to tell him a few things or two, you know, and then I can see. Greg's a, he's a processor, and um, his children are learning that about him, you know, along, but he's a processor. You have to tell him slowly, and then he processes it. And then a little bit later, you know, you can give him the next line, you know, and then he processes that. And then, you know, I mean, this is 41 years, guys. I've, I'm learning. And then, you know, a little bit later, you give him the next line. And then the, by the end of it, he's processed it, and then it's okay. But when that timing is wrong, it gets everything out of whack. Because the timing, he wasn't ready. I wasn't ready. There's times where he'll come with me and the timing is wrong. And I, I really feel like if, we'll, if we are aligning ourselves up with the Lord and allow him, because in all, in all aspects of life, this isn't just in marriage, but in everything we do, timing is important. And when you're out of, when you're out of alignment with the timing of what God has in store for you, it's like us trying to get the next place in this building. It's all in God's timing. It's, it's like this is what, you know, we're here because of God's timing. This is where we're at. We, we're, we're together because of God's timing. I, I've watched some of you in your relationships. It's been in God's timing. God's timing. You are here where you're at because of God's timing. So when you are, when you are in a relationship, in your marriage, if you're struggling right now in your marriage, let God show you the timing of doing life. Because life comes in God's time. And timing is everything. So good. Um, the one I put down for, for us, uh, the one I, I said was just be intentional. It's being intentional. And I put down this here specifically in the little things. Because little things can be, in the grand scheme of things, a, a massive deal, a huge deal. One, one of my favorite things is to surprise her. Like Ashton, she always, for whatever reason, she always, I feel like has an, an inkling that something's going on or something that like, if I'm trying to surprise her or make this like special date or whatever. But one of my favorite things is I just want to surprise her, whether it's, hey, I'm going to wake up early and I'm going to get breakfast ready and I'm going to have breakfast ready when, when she's uh, wakes up, or I'm going to go ahead and, hey, let's go ahead and go to this coffee shop. You weren't expecting it when we came home from work, but let's go do something fun. It's just being intentional with those little things of maybe even it's doing the dishes because I'm not one that ever does the dishes very often, but it's doing the dishes. It's, it's those little things that says, hey, I see you, I recognize you, and I want you, I want you to feel special. I, I, want you to, I want to communicate with you through those little acts of being intentional, how, how truly I, I care about you and I love you. Good. Very sweet. He's sweet. Um, mine, I felt like God was impressing this on me, even before we kind of got the questions, but I felt like gratitude was so on my heart as a tool that God has given the two of us and one that I didn't really utilize a whole lot until we got married. I feel like growing up, 
Like I, I was grateful. I was taught to be thankful and grateful to express that. Um, but as a married couple, it became over the last few years something that was powerful, that invited in and started to illuminate what God was doing in our in our lives. And of course, like God was good all the time, continuing to provide, but it was a matter of our perspective shift when we started to offer our gratitude, God wait, that was you. Thank you. And then the next day, wow, another? Really? Like, that's crazy. Thank you. And just watching things pour in. Um, um, Let's see. I was going to say Luke bought something a few years ago, I think, on Facebook Marketplace. And it was this, like, antique glass mayo jar. It was like a gallon jar. It was, like, huge. Came in the mail. I was like, what are you planning to do with this thing? And and he put it in our closet as a manna jar to start filling it up. Well, it was massive. I was like, why did you have to buy like such a massive jar? This thing is massive, just huge. <laughs> and it just seems so excessive. But I love that his mindset was, I want to get the biggest jar because I want more. Like I want to have this expectancy for things to happen that I'm going to be able to thank God for tomorrow and a year down the road, two years down the road. Um, and so, and I, as I was thinking about it, like gratitude is our response to God. It's, it's an intersection for our reality to meet heavens. It's a day, on a daily basis living in this understanding of heaven is moving, heaven is here. It's in, in our day-to-day walk together. God's, God's moving, and I want to be aware of that. I want to offer him the glory where he's due. It's and, and just also allowing God to be able to trust me with the next thing that he wants to pour out. We want to be a house that, God, you can trust us with what you're blessing us with because we're going to offer thanks. Like, we're going to give you the credit where you deserve credit. So pour out more because we're ready, we're excited, we're expectant. Um, and I think um, the last thing I was going to say is Bill Johnson says, I try to live in such a way that nothing gets bigger than my awareness of God's presence in my life. And I think for us, it's we never want, even for each other, to get in the way of recognizing that, that God's, God's doing things. He's moving. He's so good. And just for us to be able to say thank you together. It's an offering as a couple that we can sit down and talk about what God's doing in our life and, and share in the excitement the victories that are taking place um, it, it changes everything. It's huge. So doing, doing all of this, talking about relationships, talking about marriage, engagement, dating, single, the most important relationship you will ever have, as you heard, is your relationship with the Father. And so... We were talking and, and staffing on how to like, you know, do this moment. And honestly, I felt impressed by the Spirit to not even have everybody stand. Because this is a moment where you're becoming one with the Father. And I was like, I want to make this like an actual moment where people are getting up saying, I'm, I'm boldly stepping out 
in front of people saying, I'm ready for the realest relationship, the best relationship, the only relationship that actually matters. I'm ready for a real relationship with the Father. I'm ready for a real relationship with Him. Now, in a, in a minute, we're gonna do we're gonna do an altar call for for couples and relationships and and uh, and and singles. If you want to get prayed over, our staff are gonna come down and pray for you. And it's it's gonna be a moment, so don't go anywhere. But but first, I want to give a call for those that are sitting here this morning. You say, I'm still lacking in a genuine relationship with God. I'm still sitting here today. I've been here for a while, or maybe this is my first time, or maybe I've been here for a little bit and I've been kind of just, you know, questioning everything. I've been uh, looking over here and looking over there, making sure everything's sound around here. I don't, I didn't want to do anything too fast. I don't want to jump into it, but I feel, I feel good. I feel like there's a peace. If that's you this morning, I feel like the next, the, we're, we're in 2022 and, and from here, the, the fact of standing up for Christ is only going to get tougher the further the world goes from the Bible. So why not? Why do we all have to stand? Why do we need to close our eyes and just be like, well, it's me. I say we just get bold now. If we're willing to stand for God in here, we're probably willing to stand for God out there. And so if that's you this morning, you say, that's me, Zay. I, I, want, I want Jesus as my number one. I want to give everything over to him. I want to be washed clean of everything that I've done up to this point. I want God to know that I'm his child. If that's you this morning, I want you to come. I just want you to come up here real quick. We're going we're gonna, to we're gonna pray over you. And, and honestly, God can't wait to fill you up. He can't wait to fill you up. Come on, let's give it up. This is awesome. Yeah. Yeah, come on, come on, come on, come on. This is huge. Oh, she's going down. No, honestly, honestly, stand. This is because, here's the thing. Congratulations, number one. Are you, are you here? Congratulations, this is huge. Anybody else, you wanna join? Here's the thing, and this, this is why. Uh, when I, I just did a youth camp and everybody came forward and sat down, and that's the posture. This is the posture, we stand. We stand, it's like, hey, hey, no, 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 I'm here. We're standing for God. Anybody else wanna join? Anybody else wanna join? Are we, anybody else, you wanna join? Come on, make a move. We're making a move? Yeah, we're making a move. Let's go, baby. Yeah, this is good. This is awesome. Come on, man. Anybody else? Come on. This is the most important relationship you'll ever have. Don't worry about your spouse. Worry about this. This is something to say, is my relationship with God okay? Anybody else? Before we move on, anybody else? Can I, can I have my prayer team? Come up with these that are already here. Anybody else? You want to? You want to? You want to make a move? All right. Here's what I want you to do. I just staying seated. I just want you to put your hand out. Pray for these. Okay. Just start praying for them. Pray for faith to rise. Pray for eyes to be open, ears that hear like never before. Go ahead. Open. 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 Jesus, I pray that you would open doors right now in Jesus' name. Come on. We're gonna pray this prayer together. Everybody, repeat after me. Say Jesus. Come on, everybody together. Say it like you mean it. Say, Jesus, I receive all of you. Lord, I pray that you would wash me clean. I pray that you would clean me out. And today I choose to receive you into my heart. Make me brand new in Jesus' name. And everybody said, come on, amen. Amen. It's not this some complicated thing. It's the easiest thing.
to be made brand new. Amen. Okay. You can stand with me. This is, this is, amen. Come on. I, I love, I love, I love what God is doing in the house. If you're sitting here this morning, you're single. You're sitting here this morning, you're dating. You're sitting here this morning, you're engaged. You're sitting here this morning, you're married. I'm gonna have the pastoral staff come and we're gonna, we're gonna stand in couples, okay? Pastoral staff, we're gonna come stand in couples around the altar. And then here's what we're gonna do. We're gonna be up here to pray for you. If you're single and you're looking and you just want prayer for wisdom, discernment, faith, whatever it is for your relationship in the future, we wanna pray for you. If you're, if you're dating and, you, and you're, you're in the middle of like questioning, we wanna pray for you. If you're engaged and, and you, want, you want prayer, we're gonna pray for you. If you're married and you're like, man, I'm in the middle of it, we wanna pray for you. This morning, we wanna pray for you. So no matter what walk of life you're in, this morning, we wanna pray for you, okay? So we've got the staff lined up here. You are free to go if you, if you need, um, but we're gonna pray this morning. We're gonna believe that, that chains fall. We're gonna believe that eyes are open. We're gonna believe that miracles happen today in Jesus' name, amen? Amen. I believe this morning that broken relationships will come back together in Jesus' name. I believe this morning that those spouses that are at home right now, God is starting to wreck their hearts even at home. For, for those that are, are living spiritually single right now, I pray in Jesus' name that God starts to open up the windows of heaven and pours out on your household this morning. And we're gonna believe, we're gonna believe by faith that things start to move in Jesus' name, in Jesus' name. So if, if, you're, uh, if you're wanting to come, move forward for prayer, come on, we're gonna pray for you. The worship team's gonna pray, uh, play, and we're gonna pray, and God's gonna move, amen? Come on, let's do it. Thanks for listening to the Power Place Audio Podcast. For more resources or to watch a service online, visit us at www.thepowerplace.org.